0: We're excited here at Speech Science because this episode is brought to you by Presence Learning. Michelle, in the past year and a half, what have you learned about teletherapy? Oh, goodness. Just like all the SLPs, we've sort of been thrown into it. Well, if you are considering a career in teletherapy and you need a therapy platform built specifically to deliver therapy and assessments remotely, look no farther than Presence Learning and Therapy Essentials.
1: Yeah, and I had a chance to talk to Kristen about it, and I... I'm kind of blown away by all the resources that are on this platform, Um, and I think it's wonderful that we can hopefully access it as individual therapists now.
0: Presence Learning Platform features a content library full of games and activities sortable by age and interest to personalize your therapy and keep your clients engaged. They also have assessments from top publishers. For more information and to start your free trial, visit PresenceLearning.com and click on our platform.
1: The views and opinions expressed during this show do not necessarily reflect reflect the the policy
0: or position position. position of any affiliated workplace or employer. The views and opinions of this show do not constitute recommendations for therapy. Please Please contact contact a licensed SLP for individual consult on your situation. Please listen carefully. What is communication? essential behavior of life. We have the uh, both blessing and responsibility of trying to foster another. It's transmitting a thought from one person to another. It's the strongest way for two people to convey information to each other. The back and forth between two people.
2: Communication is a lifeline. It's just connection with other people. Connecting
1: people in terms of ideas or thoughts or names. draws us out of ourselves, draws us into that relationship, you know, builds up our families. Without it, we'd be lost.
0: Whatever it is that we do
2: to express intent and a. Ad- Achieve an impact. Communication is the ability
0: to express your needs, wants, frustrations, desires to anyone that you feel needs to have that information. Welcome to Speech Science, episode number 151. I'm Matt Hott, a speech and language pathologist working in the schools and in home health care for dementia and stroke rehab, joined as always by Michelle Wintering, a pediatric SLP expert, in the state of texas hi matt hi michelle uh joining us shortly will be michael mcleod our executive functioning specialist and continuing the tradition of great co-hosts in the year of 2022 we have mayling chan an slp specialist in aac and also the cpo which is the chief what was that again mailing partnership (laughs) chief partnership what's the o stand for Officer, Officer? Oh, okay, of Ooh. exceptional learning, Mailing Chan. Welcome back, my former boss.
3: Oh my gosh, thank you so much. I'm so glad to be with you guys again, Michelle and Matt. I've missed you so much, and uh, I definitely miss seeing you guys in person at ASHA this year.
0: We were talking about that off air, so how how much was the booth sad, and what was the the gloom and doom without Eminem <laughs> down there to compete the M triplicates?
3: Yeah, it's so true that people would walk up and be like, where's Michelle and Matt, you know, and Rachel Madel. <laughs> I have to say that. Aww. Oh No, Rachel. Either? <laughs> I know. I know. Um, she was, she was around. She just wasn't at the booth. She did come by the one time. And of course there were throngs of people going, oh, Rachel Madel.
0: I didn't understand the cult of Rachel Madel until we went to Asha in 19. And then I was like, I get it. Now I know why I have a shirt with her name on it. And it exactly. is the only shirt I have that has another female's name on it besides my wife. i just need to say that out loud. Wow. It's yeah, here, right? that's, a, that's a statement. Very good. That go. is a statement. On today's show, we have Mei Ling on because we are going to talk about everything you need to know to succeed in business or entrepreneurship or the side hustle uh, as being or as well as being an SLP. Also, we've got our SS Pod shout out, the due process, and the Asha Spotlight. But before all that, we want to make sure we talk to you. So head over to our website, SpeechSciencePodcast.com email us speech science podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can hit the discord discord.speechsciencepodcast.com and the big giveaway over uh, at giveaway.speechsciencepodcast.com uh, a year subscription to presence learning therapy essential. So let's start it off like we always do. Uh, Michelle, you are the person that's been here the longest besides myself. So you'll go <laughs> first here. How has your week been?
1: Uh, well, I know I missed the recording with you guys last week because, um, I had no voice. We've just been fighting, um, you know, colds and everything else that's going around. And I learned something I would love to hear if anyone else in Texas has experienced this, but have you heard of something called cedar fever? Negative. Negative. So it is the kind of trees that are huge in this area of Texas. And so it's cedar fever, like hay fever or some other term that people throw around for seasonal allergies, but winter is the worst time for it in central Texas. And it has all the symptoms up to and including body aches and fever. And it's just an allergic reaction to the trees this time of year, but it's awful. So
0: I I call that living in Ohio, Michelle.
1: (laughs) Ah, It's worse. I've never had allergies like this in Ohio,
0: Matt. Oh my goodness. Mailing, <laughs> do you have cedar fever in Arizona or California oh, okay. or whatever state you reside in?
1: Matt struggles with keeping track of where we all live. Hey,
0: I, I'm glad <laughs> Michelle moved back to Texas because <laughs> to then I didn't have to easier. make the mistake. Yeah, but when I lived
1: months. in Texas, you kept saying New Mexico and Arizona. Or, or Arkansas. Yeah, that too.
0: All right, mailing, how was your week?
3: Uh, my week was great, but you were right. I was in Santa Barbara uh, for almost eight months when I was working with Cognition on g- brain-computer interface headset for AAC. Um, yeah, that was really exciting, and being by the beach was amazing. But I am back in the desert, and the weather has been really amazing now. January, February, March—best time of year.
0: See, just, I am just—I know where my friends live, relatively.
1: We got regions, we're good there.
0: Oh man, I'm excited to be on air with you guys. My week has been- (laughs) Matt is still in Ohio
1: and Cincinnati. I got your region right.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I have not moved in 36 years. I lived in upstate New York for one year. Uh, This week in therapy has been a nothing burger because on Friday, the kids were off. Monday was MLK day and Tuesday and Wednesday this week have been teacher and service days. So I got a bunch of reports written. Yeah, Hmm. use that time wisely. I am. All right, y'all. If you have somebody that is doing something super awesome and you want to give them recognition, that is where the SS pod shout out comes from. And this week it comes from Ashley in the Chicago public schools. And she says, I want to give a shout out to Julie B. Retiring after working in the schools for 36 years. Nice.
1: Congratulations.
0: Now, my question is, if you're working for 36 years in the school district, why why have you not left before that? That seems like forever. Because maybe they're in a
1: job that they like. Maybe they're in a spot that's a good. I'm counting good down spot the years to, to my
0: 35 years. I'm just saying. <laughs> Mayling, did you work in schools? I did. Yeah. How long did you stay in schools?
3: Um, I think it was like six years straight. See, uh, full time, you know, and right. then just kind of popping in and out uh, when I was needed, and then consulting and. So I think there's so much great foundation, you know, and the kids are so much fun. You know that, Matt. That's why you keep having them.
0: (laughs) I have three and I work (laughs) with middle school kids. (laughs) So I have to tell this story. I love this story. Uh, And it just happened, what was it, like two weeks ago. This kid was like kicking and slamming on his locker, like just couldn't get it opened. And it like right outside my door, it's not one of my students. So I opened the door and I was like, listen, if you make me write you up, I am going to make sure that you are in detention for as long as they let me do it. Because that's my rule. Don't make me do work, because if I have to do work, there's punishment. And the kid was like, I just can't get my locker open. And then found out that he was trying to open the wrong locker. Uh, uh. Then I've helped him find his locker. And then it was like, ah, <laughs> middle school kids. Yeah. <laughs> And that all came from the shout out to Julie uh, be retiring after 36 years in the Chicago Public School. So that I would is like to interview awesome Julie. as Julie. If right? you
1: if you can get me in touch with Julie, I will interview Julie about her 36 years in the school.
0: And uh, I wonder if it's all the same school district. I've bounced around within three in the first 10 years. So I don't I know, know, but
1: I've got questions. 36 years is a long time as a school SLP. So, hey, we want to talk to you.
0: <laughs> True. Hit us up. Uh, speechsciencepodcast at gmail.com. On the flip side, when things don't go right, we have the SS pod due process, hashtag SS pod due process. This comes from James. He writes in, I am in a SNF, uh, a skilled nursing facility, and doctors and nurses do not respect my recommendations for food consistency and liquid thickness. How do I politely ask for their respect and demonstrate my knowledge? What do you all think?
3: Ooh, that's a good one. This inbox must be overflowing.
0: It's more like two to three messages a week.
3: <laughs> which is
0: good. good. That's how we need which is overflowing. <laughs> it's more than what we use in a week. It's once a week. So that's what we need. That's so good. what do you guys think? I, I, I've I have i have worked home health care. I haven't worked in a skilled nursing facility in nine years or 10 years. And that was when I was a clinical fellow. No, mm-hmm. no, what is it? Your externship. I wasn't even a clinical fellow. I was still just a grad student. So no one respected me. And I never had to fight for respect. So,
1: you know, when I was in um, home health and in a sniff, it's all been PRN. So unfortunately I haven't been able to, I've experienced some of what he wrote in and said, because I feel like, especially there's already a barrier. Let me start over. There's already a bit of a barrier of an SLP's perspective and what is needed and what our recommendations are and what other people are aware of or willing to accept or even just educated on. And when you're only coming in as a PRN person like I was, I feel like it was even harder because they only saw me every couple of weeks or whenever they needed me. And maybe they'd see me for a week straight, but then they wouldn't see me for a month. So it's it's hard to kind of build that rapport. But um, one thing that I saw successful for a friend of mine who that was her full-time job was trying to utilize, like talk to the rehab manager, try to utilize some of that continuing education or just your meetings. And I'm not saying you have to do a full-blown training, but you can kind of give them little bits of information to try to expand our knowledge and give them a little bit more understanding of maybe it's what the consistencies are, because there's still misunderstanding of that, even though there is an actual know, protocol out there now, but people don't know what it is. And a lot of facilities don't even use it yet for, um, to have consistent consistencies. <laughs> oh, there you go. Consistent consistencies. Um, but trying to implement some little education, uh, for our peers, because the only way you're going to build that relationship is, um, doing it positively. Cause we all sort of flinch back. If somebody comes in with a heavy hammer and says, Well, I'm the SLP and I
3: know best. So um, we kind of have to tread lightly. Mei Ling? Yeah, I'm nodding my head and agreeing. Um, one of the things that I used to do also was jumping in on those doctor rounds or those collaborative team times. So, you know, if you can switch your PRN time, so if it's Mondays at eight in the morning, you know, you can be there and be a part of the team because, like you're saying, it's really hard when they never really see you. And then also trying to see a patient when the other team members are there, like a nurse practitioner, the, you know, the, the main nurse, when another um, maybe therapist is is there and co-treating and going through and talking to them. And so you are educating, but you're doing it as um, in the moment, you know, and as you're both seeing the patient, that's also been really good and to help build your own credibility. Um, And it's hard because like, we're just, we're not used to it, but talking about the successes So like when you're on the unit, you know, turning to the nurse and saying, Hey, right. I'm so happy with um, Mr. So-and-so, you know, in bed 30 in room 30 B he's been doing so well. You know, we had him on puree because he was having constant coughing and clearing of his throat and we weren't sure we weren't, weren't able to send him out for an MBA, but we did that. And then we were doing those exercises. Remember when you came in and we were doing the laryngeal um, lift and, you know, we were doing these things and now. As you can see, you know he's doing better. His voice is clear, and then they'll say, "Oh yeah, I did notice." You know, so connecting the dots for them um, on your patient progress, and I know that that was really helpful. So just you know, finding creative ways to kind of slip that in there.
0: I love that idea. That's a great idea. I don't like. I said I never did trainings in like a sniff or any medical setting, but when I've had a few students that have had mixed consistencies or consistency changes. I would run a full food clinic in with my teachers and the aides where we blended spaghetti together. And we learned that if you blend your spaghetti with the sauce, it's terrible. And then I made them make their own thickened liquids because, you know, if you have a student or a patient that needs honey thick and you don't really care and you make it pudding thick, there's a significant difference in just yeah. quality of life, let alone care, quality of care. So, mm-hmm. but I love that idea of pointing it out. I love the training idea. So there we go. If you have a due process or an SS pod shout out, hit us up on the hashtags, hashtag SSPOD, hashtag due process, uh, Discord or email speech science podcast at gmail.com. All right. So the reason we are here, the reason for the season is let's talk entrepreneurship, let's talk side hustle. Uh, being an SLP, we are all usually uh, very prone to big ideas, but maybe not ideas on how to get them out. So this is why we brought on uh, Miss Mayling Chan. She has been in charge of how many companies have you now been in charge of, started or ran? Oh, a bunch.
3: I'm just a one bunch. of those serial entrepreneurial people.
0: <laughs> you have a book trilogy. Yes. Yes. And. Oh, sorry.
3: Yeah, I published um, three books in 18 months during the pandemic.
0: And you are the one to motivate me to write my chapter for one of your books. So that in itself is a success story. Would, uh,
3: would we call it that, motivate, or is it like kicking and screaming?
0: You told me what to do, and I listened to you because I had to, because I didn't have a choice, because you made me do it. Matt has amazing. you to think
3: that he is now published in your book. He's amazing. And everyone has got to get their hands on his chapter. I mean, he is the same person that he is here.
0: I have the gift you gave me, so I appreciate it. it. (laughs) I love it.
3: Yeah, so he's holding up a quote with his picture on it. And uh, he's just memorialized there. Somebody got
0: that for me. Yeah, memorialized. So let's talk about just getting over that first step of, of how, why do we take an idea from, well, how do we take that idea into doing something? And I thought this would be a wonderful idea because We've done that with the podcast mailing. You've done that with multiple companies. Uh, and Michelle, I believe you have an idea kind of kicking around. Is that right?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's my, one of my uh, goals for 2022 is actually officially starting my business. So um, oh, fantastic. yeah, speech, speech therapy. Here we go. <laughs> um, that's all I'll say for now. Cause I've got, I've got stuff. Um,
0: I was worried if I in, said something too much so that's in what
1: the saying. works, but I feel like I have so many questions as always for, for mailing um, and for other people I've bugged Mike about his private practice before. Hopefully he'll be joining us on air. And then of course, Matt, you too. I mean, I know you, you don't toot your own horn much, but um, uh, you know, you, you really did pave the pathway for a lot of the, there's so many speech pathology related podcasts out there now and you truly, you know, you bit the bullet and, and really paved the way for that to happen. I was the
0: first dumb one to buy a microphone. Let's just be honest.
1: There you go. But that's, but you say dumb one, but that means you did something. And so mailing my question for you, hidden in my long rambling statement here is, um, anybody I know who is what you just called a serial entrepreneur. And we have close friends who are like that too. Um, is it a mindset? Is it a, like, was the first one the hard one? Or are you just kind of built that way? Like, ready, let's yeah. just take this leap and go. Like,
3: what, yeah. um, you know, what What made you this way? I know. So part of me is like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> Why don't you just go to work, you know? <laughs> Nine to five, have this cushy little retirement. Um, you know, it's funny. I was on a podcast earlier today and um, they we were also talking about, you know, what's the passion and the fuel behind it. And she said, uh, you're Maddie. She said, um, you're courageous. And I said, you know, it's funny. I don't wake up in the morning going, let's be courageous today. <laughs> you know, it's um, Maddie Murray Tagles. I just want to give her creds um, with the Missing Link podcast. She's just amazing. Um, it's not the that I, I don't fear failure. That's really, really important. And I know that you're starting, for anyone who's starting their first entrepreneurial endeavor, you're afraid to fail. And I have to tell you, Anybody who's been successful has had so many failures, they can't even add them up. And that doesn't mean that the first endeavor was a failure. It means that somewhere in there, they tried something and it didn't work. And so they had to pivot and, um, you know, rethink something or be challenged. And it made them even better. And it's so crazy to say this, Michelle, but it's like a a strange wish is that I wish many failures on you because that's only going to make you better and stronger and wiser and fearless. And you're going to look back and go, Oh my God, I can't believe I didn't start sooner because you've got this, you've got this. And we always forget like how many people we have in our universe to help us. You know, you just named, you know, we have so many people that you can reach out to and ask questions. And even if you asked each person, just one question, they are coming with so much wealth and knowledge that they will give you, you know, everything they can to help you with that one idea. Um, So I, I think that's the most important thing is um, this is just your first idea, Michelle. And it's actually not your first idea. Saying yes to Matt is an entrepreneurial move. That's right. Yeah, he's he waving just, his he hands. just did the <laughs> <arms>. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> right. Yeah, raise the roof. No. Exactly.
0: Well, mailing, and it doesn't you-
3: always mean money. Um, and, and that's something that we all know and it kind of hurts sometimes. You know, we're, we are servants, <laughs> right? And so we're used to doing this. We do it for free, but there are so many things that are coming out on the other side that are priceless. You know, I'm sure Matt can talk about how much he's gotten back from being a servant to his audience through these podcast episodes. And and Michelle, you also, when you were at the booth with me and people came up and they were like, oh my gosh, Michelle, like, I know your voice. It's amazing. You know, you guys have given them so much insight and, and connection, you know, to, to like, there's other people like me out there, or I'm a part of something bigger, priceless. So are you guys making a lot of money? you know, on the podcast, <laughs> But you're getting speaking engagements. Matt is now a published author in a book. You know, you have also earned so much information that I'm sure that when you're negotiating, you know, your own hourly rates and things like that, you're coming to it with so much more of a wealth of knowledge. I mean, there's so many pieces of entrepreneurism that that are priceless. And then, you know, the money does come in other ways.
1: Now, as an entrepreneur, I'm Mailing, I feel like it, I agree with that word courageous, but I do also think that people who are are willing to step into that role of, um, you know, trying something new and just putting it out there, uh, have a certain level of being able being able to accept risk, like you said, knowing and uh, I'm not saying seeking failure, but in some ways, like knowing, hey, some of these are going to stick, some of these aren't, but um, you have a capacity and a, a willingness to to take more risk than some other people.
3: I I do hear you. Um, And I I would say that if you talk to me probably like 20 years ago, I had a very low risk tolerance. I'm somebody who I take the information, I look at it all different ways. And then at the end end of it, I want this guarantee, you know, that things are going to work out. Um, And I'm much older now. And I don't want to say how old, but I'm having a milestone (laughs) birthday this year. And if I look back, I can say 20 years, like that means a lot to me. Um, Through the years, it's realizing it's not the risk it's the reward of, of what you're creating and what you, you know what the value is. Um, and this, I don't want any to get into religion or spirituality, but you start to really have this confidence that you know, when you put good work out there, it's going to come back to you. And you know, like we all know we're in service. You know, the, the end person is that person in the hospital who had a stroke and just wants to tell his wife he loves her, you know, or that mom who's looking at her child who hasn't spoken yet and just wants to hear the words, I love you, even if it's with an AAC device. You know, that's the end gift that we're, that we're working towards because we're speech language pathologists. It's about language. And, mm-hmm. and that just, it's like being that mom that would lift a car for your kid. You know, all of a sudden you have all of this strength and passion and energy and, you know, failure, it just, isn't that important anymore. It's like, you know, you know, you can bring this.
0: We were talking as coaches. We had a coaches meeting tonight for, uh, at the high school I work at. And one of the coaches said that they heard this quote and they loved it. And it's the, don't miss the chance to learn from every failure. And it's something like you tell kids like, Hey, yeah, you missed that shot. You struck out, you lost the game, but what can you learn from it? And, and I think I was thinking about that the entire time you're talking about moving on from failures. And uh, I mentioned this in the book and, and we'll talk about the book on the second part of the show, but like, I was listening to a podcast from Kevin Smith, you know, Silent Bob from Jay and Silent Bob. And he was talking about never being afraid to go out and create your moment in the world. If it's a podcast, if it's a piece of art, if it's your store, if it's a bowling alley, if it's a comic book store, if it's a weed store, whatever it is, no matter what happens, you have added to the completeness of society. It may not live forever. It may live forever, but you have made your mark Uh, in society. And, and with what you talked about taking those risks, I think that's the same idea when we look at everything we do from when we decide which AAC device we're going to take on for a student, or am I going to mortgage my house to (laughs) buy into this property? Yeah.
3: And the things that we do are very public. You know, Mm -hmm. Matt has been criticized um, either with the podcast in the book um, I've taken on criticism. I mean, I didn't actually realize how public the things are that I do. I thought, you know, I'll put this together and put out there. It's a gift. And then suddenly I had all these people that had opinions and some of them were really valuable, Michelle, like stuff. Like I was like, Oh yeah, I didn't think of that. Even though I did give the, um, draft to several people, you know, in the community made sure, you know, dotted my eyes, crossed my T's and, Mm -hmm. um, I got feedback on the first one that was so helpful for the second. And I got feedback on the second that was so helpful for the third. And now the third is just what I feel is the best effort that I can do because I really listened and I shaped things and I grew, but I'll tell you, here's a great story for us SLPs. Um, Instagram is so busy and I tried to be cool on Instagram, but I'm just not, uh, what is it? Dancing and lip syncing but uh, I do now read you the gotta comments. do reels. Yeah. You gotta do this. Yeah. So, um, someone was wonderful and grateful and they posted about the book and somebody else posted on there saying it all looks wonderful, but I would love to see more color on the cover. And I went, <laughs> you know, like screech. I was like, what? And I go back, I look at the cover. Cause I know who's on there. Right. And I said, that's really interesting. So instead of shutting down and being upset and defensive, I immediately reached out to her, and this is all public, so I'm going back to that, how public this is. I said, thank you so much for taking the time, really, for taking the time, and I would love to talk with you and learn more about your opinion. End up talking with her, um, and it's Jeanette Washington. She's barely articulating. She's amazing out there. And we end up becoming good friends, you know, Matt, you know, you just, you connect and I said, okay, I see your, you know, where you are. I shared with her where I was. Um, and I had to interpret what she was thinking of color because literally I have someone who um, associates with being native American. I have someone who's Brazilian. I am Chinese and Colombian. I have someone else who's Chinese. And Jeanette wanted someone who is associating with being African-American. And so, you know, I thought of it and I was like, wow, you know, I that wasn't a box that I was trying to check. I was trying to get very multicultural. And I did reach out to a number of people and the timeline just didn't work for them because this book was coming out in September and I needed them to work through the summer. So I did ask a number of people that just, you know, it just didn't fit. And so in talking to her, I didn't feel like I was defending myself, but I felt like, okay, like I was finding peace in that too. And in the end, she was like, great, you know, wonderful. And I always say this now is If you guys want to do something, you know, some type of anthology, which is specifically what I'm an expert in now, I would love to support you, you know, because there are so many things you have to think of. And guess what? She is doing an anthology about dyslexia. And so now I'm able, yeah. And so I'm able to give her, you know, some valuable tips and things. So we are besties now.
0: You talk about failing in public and you only get to fail in public when you've had a success and when something has worked then people know who you are and then it fails and, and whatnot. I'm interested though, because we've, we, we've kind of labeled you the serial entrepreneur in this episode. I want you to kind of think how many times have you failed before your first success? Because if I were to think about just this podcast, how many failures did I have before this podcast? Well, this is my first podcast, but I would say that I worked at seven or eight different radio stations and I got my teeth kicked in. I got people to tell me that my voice was too happy for the classic rock station. I was too city for the country station. I was too country <laughs> for the pop, top 40 station. I was like, I don't, I'm Ohio, man. This is what we all sound like. So I would say that I failed seven or eight times Privately. I mean, I guess it was publicly because it was on air, but this was my first podcast. I didn't succeed because I had a podcast and boom, we had the perfect idea. I failed eight times as a career in radio, and that's not counting all the failures in college. How many times would you say you failed to get to, uh, because I, forgive me, I forget what your first Big,
1: That's what I yeah. wanted to know. What was your what was first that? what was the Big first failure.
0: entrepreneurial thing? Oh, no, no, the first success. So then I forget what the that first,
3: was. Well, actually, the first success, this so it depends on where you start counting, guys. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, when I got out of college, you know, what did I do? And all I mean, there's so many things that you try. Um, in speech therapy, my first uh, I guess, internet. Um, company was Yap Guru, and I loved it. it. And Thank it was you. just my baby. And I this is where I met all just wonderful people and brought them into this, you know, really great idea. Um, and it was about researching and reviewing apps that were being used in therapy. It was brilliant, and we were able to monetize by people purchasing the apps, even if they were two ninety nine, you know, up to fifty nine ninety nine. But then uh, they went to in app purchases. And we got no income at all. And it was that we didn't even make a lot of money. We were just kind of paying for the overhead. And because I can't code, you have to hire coders. So um, we we had just an amazing run there, um, but I could not scale that company. And I literally had to shut it down. Like just there was nothing go. else we could yeah. do. And that was devastating. Like me on the floor crying. Like that's how bad it was. And I was like, what am I if I'm not Yap Guru, you know? And honestly the world kept going. Nobody cared. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> Didn't you all stop going? You know? And it, you just realize like, it's just you, you're, you know, you're the person that it's your dream. It's your passion. It's your vision. Um, and within like six, eight, six to eight weeks, I think we already had our next team and we were up and running and, um, and definitely I learned, believe me, there's things I will never do again, that I did in that company.
0: <laughs> Before Yap Guru though, how many times would you say, because a lot of people look at this and say, I, I, I'm not lucky. I can't yeah, start my yeah. own private practice. I can't start my company because take a look at this. They, this is awesome. Look at SLP toolkit. I could never come up with an idea like that. Look at Yap mm-hmm, Guru. Look at exceptional. How many times did you fail before Yap Guru took off? Because I'm guessing you didn't just wake up, go first idea. Yap Guru. Look at me. I succeeded.
3: Yeah, no, that's great. Um, I had imami.com, e-m-o-m-m-i-e.com, and that's when eBay first started. It was when my second son was born in 1999. Um, I started selling new and used maternity clothes on eBay. Oh, that's and a great idea. That's when I learned, yeah, I learned a little bit of HTML coding so I could create my ad. I mean, eBay was nothing like it was now. People sent me checks in the mail, Matt, that I, I was hoping <laughs> didn't bounce. Yeah, and I Just had to cross go your and fingers and open. Yeah. <laughs> It was crazy, but I had people emailing me that they were in rural areas and they could not get off season maternity clothes. And so I started purchasing them from people like they would send me pictures and it was DIY. I had all of these boxes in my house and uh, you know, my family at the time were like, what are you doing? You know, and I'm like, I'm running (laughs) a company. (laughs) Um, And we almost got bought out by uh, Toys R Us. Yep. And I think it was the URL that was more uh, valuable because we were number one on Google for new and used maternity clothes, those keywords. So these are all these things that I had learned all on my own. Um, And uh, then the dot-com burst, you know, the whole bubble and they stopped taking my calls and um, just things like just changed like on a dime. And I ended up selling that company for like 30,000 to somebody local and she wanted to start it. And so I felt like that was such a failure because I thought, this is it, you know, we're going to go into having a warehouse and, and all of that. So I was pretty dejected after that. <laughs> cause of course everybody I knew was like, what's going on with Imami? What's going on with your mommy? <laughs> I'm like, your mommy's
0: dead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> mommy's dead. <laughs> like, no more. How did your yeah, family, how, how did your family, cause I know, and, and you can share as much about your family as you want, but I know your family, I know your family, particulars. I don't know how you put that, but like, (laughs) how does, you know, how do you talk to your kids and say, Hey, this failed. How do you talk to parents and say, Hey, this failed? Because like I was listening to a podcast about actors and they said that they have to no longer tell their parents when they're going out for a role because uh, the guy that played Lex Luthor let
1: down on the other side. Yeah. yeah, He's like, his
0: mom still asks him if he's ever going to get the part in saving private Ryan he's like, mom, that movie's been out for 20 years. I'm not going to be in it. And I remember when I was talking to my parents about doing the podcast and they're like, is it up yet? I'm like, no, it's like a year away. And they're like, well, why aren't you doing it now? And it was like, I I don't know. So like, when did you learn to maybe not share everything with the family until, you know, how do you blend that family versus business? If that makes sense.
3: That's a great question. I don't think anyone's ever asked me that. Um, But if you know my family, like more personally than just their particulars, I'm not really sure what that means, Michelle. I just, I just meant like, (laughs) I know
0: (laughs) that you have kids and like, like I didn't want to be like, Oh, I know how old your kids are and all that fun stuff.
3: No, that's great. Um, so my parents are entrepreneurial. Uh, they have become uh, independently wealthy on real estate in addition mm-hmm. to having their own jobs. So they did this side gig you know, for years and then they were able to do real estate full-time and work together on it. Um, and they also had a little shop one time where they sold Oriental gifts, like literally um, rugs and, and statues and plates. And, and so they had that for a little while. And then they had a uh, appliance store where they went into people's homes and fixed appliances and ordered parts. And I worked there in the summers. And then um, I've always been a part of all of that. And so whenever I've come up with these things that I'm doing, they are right there on it. But what's happening is, as you've noticed, most of my stuff is digital and technology. So they have no concept of that. And so when (laughs) I show my dad something, he's like, oh yeah, really? Wow. You know, and he has a little (laughs) bit of an Asian accent. So it's kind of funny. Um, So he's like losing his ability to really be like a, A mentor directly, you know, and you should do this, you should do that. So when we're doing our real estate stuff, he's right there. You know, he definitely has opinions. But um, with all of this virtual stuff, he's always kind of like, What are you doing? You know, what are you doing now? (laughs) What is digital content? You know, what are you doing now? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's really cute. Um, And then my boys, they just love it. They've been involved as much as they can. You know, I'm always talking to them about it. And now my uh, oldest son is 25 and he's about to finish law school this year. And so his um, feedback is usually, he thinks he's very worldly and, and knows things now, you know, and then my 22 year old is woke. That's the thing. Like, you know, I'll <laughs> say something and be like, mom, I hope you're not saying stuff like that on your podcast. You know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> you're going to have your own, own little so PR supportive.
3: team. Yeah. And then our daughter Reagan too, you know, like I went to um, Dubai for the, uh, to celebrate international day of disabilities um, at an event there. And she Googled it and told me about all the things that I should go see while I was there. It was amazing.
1: She had your itinerary all set up.
3: Yeah, yeah. So no, they've been amazing, Matt. And um and they they get so upset when things don't work out for me, you know, and they're always my my biggest fans. Like it's okay, mom. Don't worry about it. You could do something else. It's no big deal, you know. So
1: This way. Yeah. Be- that's, that's great. I well I love that your family's involved with it though and that they're 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 bought in <laughs> for everything you're doing.
0: This may be a bit personal question. So I do apologize ahead of time, but we talk about success and we talk about growing and we talk about failures and learning from company to company. When you move from one company to another, you know, for example, uh, you're, you're now at, I wrote it down and now I can't find it. Oh, exceptional exceptional learning. learning. Thanks. When you move how hard is that for you to tell your, your team when you, you know, like it's the same idea that if I have this great idea and I need to leave my school district to pursue this because it's full-time and you create those friends. And I know when you and I talked and we were like, Hey, this is kind of what's happening with, with exceptional ed and the speech science. I was like, Bailey, you got to do that. That's so awesome. We'll be fine because whatever. But I know for some other people that may not always be their personality. How hard is that when you're looking to make that jump to, to look out only, I don't want to say only for yourself, but ultimately, we need to, to take care of ourselves and our family and our, you know, whoever we're close to. How did you, how do you compartmentalize? How do you make that plan of attack? You know, when we're looking at somebody that's saying, I don't want to leave this school district because... I can't leave this private practice because if I do X, Y, or Z and we're talking small or even, Hey, you're going to go and do exceptional learning versus exceptional ed. How do you make that big jump?
3: That's a great question. Um, because like you guys, you know, I, I connect with my colleagues and my peers and my partners, like family almost, you know, and, and you do the day to day and you get connected on patients and on students and, and the grind, you know, you connect, and so, yes, it is difficult and and I have a lot, I've had a lot of experience going in and out of different settings. So I've worked across the ages. I've worked in um, acute settings. So a hospital team, you know, up on the, on the ward, I've been in long-term care. I've been in uh, geriatrics and dementia care, but just long enough, you know, and a lot of times I, I was overlapping. So when I look back, I think, yeah, there's so many people, you know, that I, I'm not as connected with, but I actually do have the blessing of um, being able to connect people. And you started out saying I'm a connector. And so I'm always reaching out and saying, oh, you know what? You need to connect with Matt. And I know I've done it to you, Matt, where, you know, I I reach out to you first and say, hey, I have this person, right? And I think that there would be value in connecting the two of you for whatever the reason. And I connect people. And so I kind of always have this Rolodex in my mind of, you know, I've learned people's strengths and um, just knowing, you know, how I can connect them with new people that I've met. And, and still be part of that world. Um, I also really try to stay connected personally. So before the pandemic, you know, if there were events and things, I was always trying to still stay connected with those circles. And, you know, this, it's a very small world, you know? So if you have your hospital team, you know, you go to one event, you'd be like, oh my gosh, I used to work with you at this facility, you know, and you'll run into them. Or if you go to someone's baby shower from the school that you used to be at, you'll see people that, oh my gosh, that's right. When we were at this other school, I was working with you as an OT, you know? So I like that a lot, Um, but at the business side, I think that's become like a power for me now is being able to say, look, I'm doing this and I want to bring you with me. So there've been people that um, who have been in other companies with me or other um, organizations, and I've been able to bring them into what we're doing. And the um, exceptional ed side, which is the professional development has been a perfect example of that where, you know, you and I don't connect now on the podcast, but I love to have you, if I can pull you guys in and creating courses, I'm always thinking of, okay, I know this is Matt's area. This is what we need you for. We're going to do a panel discussion. These are the people that I need. And so continuing to create opportunities to support your platforms, you know, and, and that's really, I finally found my space in the world. You know, I, I kept thinking, I don't know what you guys were doing, but when people were out there blogging, you know, everyone had a blog and I was like, you know, I really should start a blog, but that's just not my gig. And I was like, ah, oh, what am I going to write about, gig. you know? Yeah yeah. And people were getting up and writing a blog a day. Right. And then um, people were creating apps and I was like, yeah, I should create an app. And I was like, Oh, I'm not really that person. Right. And then, and then, they have like um, the next, thing was like an Instagram account, you know, and they just deep diving into that or TPT. That was the best thing. Everyone's creating mm-hmm. TPT. And I'd be like, all right, I'm going to get up and I'm going to do TPT and I blank page and looking at Canva. Like, I don't know what to create. And so I, I kept having this imposter syndrome, wannabe feeling. You know, I want to be like Rachel Madel, you know, who is the <laughs> AAC expert, <laughs> but, you know, like, like, and has that just, she knows who she is. And it really took me a long time to find that. And so your question is perfect because I'm finding that instead of being embarrassed that I'm kind of like a jack of all trades, you know, and, and have had it a very eclectic experience and that I do move into different situations. Number one, I can say it's always been pro- progressive. And not just for me. So I do definitely bring along team members. And it's always um, in a position where I'm continuing to connect and support other people. And that really is essential to me. So like in the books that I'm doing is all about connection, the podcasts that we create, the courses that we create. Um, Even now, Exceptional Learning is doing um, telepractice and digital content. We are connecting globally. I mean, how much more can I do? I'm going to get into the universe next. <laughs> I'm going to be on Elon Musk's next year. I was going to say you will be the first are SLP
0: uh, to a student in Mars. Uh, well, you and like- Elon Musk. Uh,
3: exactly. Mailing.
1: I feel like you're, you're speaking to my heart a little bit with this idea of, of feeling as though you're, you've been a, a generalist um, because I know it's not, my experience hasn't been in the entrepreneurial side, but um of moving around as a military family and having to jump into different jobs and leave jobs before I was ready to leave them or before we even expected to leave them because of a, um, you know, a quicker move that came up or another assignment and, um, and Matt, I hate those conversations, gosh, like I, I dread the conversations of having to leave my patients or leave, you know, our kids or our adults or our our coworkers or your your therapy bestie at, at your job or the clinic that you guys finally, you know, um, I'll, I'll give her a shout out in case she's listening, but Hannah, the OT that I worked with when I was in Kentucky, because we co-treated so many patients together. And, um, and we just had like, we had a vibe going, we had it down, you know, and we were seeing so much progress that, um, uh, it's hard to leave, but I loved what you said that being this, this generalist, this, um, person with this, you know, the inch deep mile wide experience, not necessarily the dive deep dive into just AAC or just something else has given you this broader perspective to be able to connect communities. And so I, I have much to learn from you. I'm sure I'll be bugging you down
3: the road um, with whatever ideas pop up, but um. definitely, definitely. And I'm, I'm really saying this not to plug the book because I believe me, you're not going to make a lot of money on doing. Oh, we're
0: going to plug the book here on the second part of the show. <laughs> yeah, Don't worry. We're, we're going to talk about that. Yeah.
3: Great. But this just seems timely is that it's everybody's story will, t- will be evidence to you that they didn't just start one thing. And that's the thing that took off you know, and there's this winding path of life and experience and ups and downs. And that's the beauty of the anthology and collection of just the SLP book is it's going beyond the degree. And I think that is, that really is my platform. Like I finally found my gig.
1: (laughs) Oh, Okay. You caught me with beyond the degree. I have to ask you because so much of what you've talked about has been tech related. Um, When did, because I, I know a little bit, but when did, um, When did you become an SLP in all of your, your different entrepreneurial experiences? And were you doing SLP while like side hustling with some of these or how did that kind of play out?
3: Yeah, that's a great question too. Um, So I was a return student and I was one of those people that said I was never going back to school. Like I got my degree in communications and I was good. (laughs) And then um, I was blessed to be able to stay home with my two children for 10 years, which I was the best mom on on the block, of course. You know, we had the mom's group every week and we watched Barney. We learned how to wash our hands and sing. And, you know, we crafted, we did all of that. But in there, there was this little nagging, like I am not doing what I want to be doing, you know? And I was just, if if the newscaster did not knock on the front door, I did not was, know what was going on in the world, you know? And so that's when uh, someone literally brought home a uh, a computer, a PC, they brought it over to us. And I was like, Ooh, this is interesting. And I plugged it in started playing with it. And then I said, I got to read everything. It was all HTML. Like there was no graphics. There was no animation. And I was like, Oh, I don't have time for this. I got, you know, kids <laughs> running around. So um, I don't know, something just sparked there. And that's when I, I got into that. So I had the children and I had the um, the website, which I grew for about five years, and then we moved to Arizona. So from New Jersey to Arizona is a really big. It's far. It's a big trip, but I also had no connections in Arizona at all, zero. So I moved in, got on the block, and there's like not one person I could have reached out to to say, "You want to come over?" <laughs> you know. Um, and it was like, okay, well, you know, what am I going to do here? And it was weird. It was kind of like the calm before the storm. You know, we were just kind of settling in, and probably like a year into it. My aunt called me and she was a special education teacher in New York City in Queens. And she said, Mama, have you ever thought about being a speech therapist? And I said, no, what's that? And she said, oh, my God, we need them. There's a shortage. And again, this is um, 16 years ago now. So there's a shortage and you'd be so good at it because you love to talk. (laughs) So I was like, "Okay, I'll look into it. And I looked into it and Arizona State University did have a master's degree. It was not expensive. At the time, you know, it just wasn't, Um, but it was maybe like a 40 minute ride from my house. So I had to really consider what that would be like, you know, having the children and doing that. Um, But my husband at the time had a really flexible schedule and he was super supportive. And so I went back and I really didn't know what it was. I thought, okay, I'll be a speech teacher. I'll have the same um, schedule as my kids. Like that, that Mm -hmm. to me was perfect. Then as I started taking the classes, I fell in love and, you know, you just know. And all of us who have, who have done the degree, something in that, I don't know what it is that, that does it, but all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, I love this. And that's what happened. And so I ended up, uh, it took me three years because I had to take, what are those called? Deficiency classes? Uh, I call them
0: leveling courses because yeah, I did courses. the same thing. Deficiency
3: yeah. classes. Oh. <laughs>
1: yeah, I yes. know. No, mine were called leveling classes too. Cause I had to do right. that as well. Yeah. Yeah, All so three of us
0: are well. the, we worked in a field and then <laughs> had to take the, I, I call them. The non-traditional the, route to speech. Uh, I call it the, yeah. I made a mistake in my undergrad classes as well.
1: Yeah. <laughs> see, see, I can I won't say that because I'm going to go by Mei-Ling's logic here that I wouldn't give up my, my degrees from undergrad because. I think they made me a better speech pathologist.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't know that actually communications was the um, foundational degree that you should take, but there were a couple of courses in there that I hadn't taken anatomy physiology, like a couple of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did that and you know, I, it was hard for me cause I had to like take the, was it GRE at that time? And I just yep. was so far away from school, but um, the blessings is that I did get in and they only had like 32 students that year out of like 300 applications. And this is just where you look back and say, you know what? It was meant to be, you know? And so that's, that's how I got into speech.
0: As we begin to move to the end of, of this, I want to kind of touch base on some of the things that, you know, maybe I wish I knew this when I started. And a perfect example of this is that I was talking to a couple coach friends about an idea for a tournament I had in bowling. And the idea was, let's invite all the local Catholic schools across the state to do this. And then we can have a priest and, you know, make it a mass and make it this whole big thing and whatever. And I mentioned it just in passing to somebody who then decided to start their own private school tournament six months after I mentioned that idea. So talk about failures, talk about learning from your mistakes. I wish I knew, quote unquote, keep those ideas only to yourself and those that you trust because you have to know that who you're talking to isn't going to usurp your idea isn't going to tell somebody else so that would be my i wish i knew when i started even though it's stupid and i should have known this because well i say i should have known this because i was 35 it was Nine months ago, when I mentioned this, and it got stolen out from underneath of me. But what about you know for our uh, what what do we call it? budding entrepreneur, Miss Michelle? What is something that you wish you knew, mailing when you started?
3: You know, um, it's my own experience, but also again from working with forty three authors now on the anthologies. Everyone says is you have to go with your gut. You know, you can talk to as many people as you want and get their opinions, but only, you know, if it's the right thing or the wrong thing, because you'll know if it's the wrong thing too. And you keep pushing through. I've done that too. I, I held on probably another six months longer than I should have, you know, on, on one of my biggest failures and you got to go with your gut and that's hard because you have to trust yourself, you mm-hmm. know, and you have to look yourself in the mirror and, and make these big decisions. So I wish that, that I had, I guess, known and been more confident you know, in my own decisions sooner. And don't listen to other people.
0: It's so true. Oh, you're so right. Never listen to other people.
3: Ever. (laughs) I mean, you can listen, meaning- Children, don't listen to your parents. (laughs) Don't listen. No, it's helpful, right? And you say, okay, Matt, that's that's great. I really appreciate that. And you go home and you weigh that, you know, for half a minute. Um, But don't let them naysay you out of things because Mm -hmm. they don't know how amazing you are. You know, so they wouldn't do it, and th- and we get that, and we probably don't want them to do it because it's our idea, right?
0: And I think it depends on who it is too. I mean, you know, I've had a couple people come to me and say, "Hey, I need advice on starting a podcast." And one, I should have charged because now I realize, oh my gosh, I could have been being, gained money from this. But when I would give advice, it was coming from, "Hey, this is what you need to do to succeed. This is where I spent money that I shouldn't have spent money." And I was honestly trying to help somebody because I don't want anything out of that other than I really do believe that idea that the rising tide raises all boats. But I think you're 100% spot on mailing. There are other people that are either jealous or want to, to, how do you put that? How would I put that? Want to make the easy money by stealing an idea? I don't even know how to put it.
3: Sometimes they just look at their own resources and be yeah. like, "Oh God, I wouldn't do that. Why would you do that?" Yeah. There's so much opportunity for failure. You know, I wouldn't put myself through that. Um, I've even had people that I've gone to that I do respect, and they've given me feedback, and I'm like, "Okay, thank you, I appreciate that, and I do respect the feedback." But sometimes I'm like, "Nope,
0: I'm yep. still going to do ignore it." And Don't they'll say this anywhere.
3: too. They'll say, "You know, May, I know you're still going to do it." <laughs> you know, I know you well enough. <laughs> sometimes, and it doesn't mean I was right. You know. um, but I would say still, if you feel strongly so the, the preface to that is if you feel strongly about it, you know, do all your due diligence, obviously talk to the people that you need to talk to, but don't let them be the, the final decision for you. You have to go with your gut. And that's either Ooh, way. I like telling that. you not to do it or to do it. Now question for both of you, for anyone listening, who's like, I have
1: this idea, right? And Matt just said, okay, first of all, you know, be aware of who you share this idea with. Uh-huh um, share it with people that you trust, but what is just step one? And I know that I'm talking broad scope of like any idea, but what is step one? You know, what does somebody do? I have an idea now. What do I do?
3: Okay. I know the answer. Okay. Um, is the first thing you do is you look out online for competition. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing you do, you know? So if you want to start a speech podcast, go out and find out how many speech podcasts there are you know, get your little spreadsheet, I love spreadsheets, (laughs) and put in, you know, everything that you think is a direct competitor to you, and then also a close competitor to you, and then a really far competitor to you.
0: And if you can't
3: find those, you're, you're doing really well. If you do see a lot, that's okay too, because I've always had to remind myself, there's so many different types of soda, you know, there really are, there's so many different types of potato chips. Aren't you guys surprised when you're like, how did this product go sky high when there's a billion of them already?
0: Yes, I've thought that. Mayling, you <laughs> are exactly. you are spot on because when we started this podcast, it was Lucas and I, and it, and Mayling, or uh, Michelle, you were there in Denver, but you didn't know when this the idea started. When the yep. idea started, <laughs> yeah. but like it was, oh, wouldn't this be funny if two guys talked about what it was like to be male SLPs? And then we realized one, it wouldn't be funny; two, it'd be very boring about us just talking about the lack of bathrooms at Asha. <laughs> and like that was it. That was the extent of the idea. And I remember sitting at a Bob Evans, eating like uh uh brenner, you know, breakfast for dinner, and <laughs> googling and writing down ideas for the show. And at the time, so mind you, this shows Bob now, Evans
1: is a very Midwest restaurant for anyone listening who is not. <laughs> yes, from- I'm sorry,
0: Bob Evans, <laughs> Robert Evans, Dirty Bob's, breakfast whatever you call it, all day it.
1: long. <laughs> um,
0: but I remember. And mind you, this show's been on now. We're in our sixth season. So this was, what, seven years ago? Mm -hmm. And when I Googled speech therapy podcasts, there were three. Oh, three.
3: I I was doing zero. Well,
0: there were no active ones. There were three, but they had not posted an episode in six months, Mm -hmm. at least. And it was like, huh, this is either going to be a great idea because I can do it with my radio background, or why has no one else done this? This must be a terrible idea. Yes.
3: And what if someone said that to you? Look, Matt, there's only three out there. Why would you do it? Nobody's doing it. Nobody's listening to podcasts. And you know what? You you were an early adopter and you were asking people to do things like, how do I listen to a podcast? I mean, you and I dealt with that at the booth. You know, this was two years into yes. it. Yes. Wait, mm-hmm. how do I listen to your podcast? You know, it's not the radio and just so much education. I mean, you, you guys have done an incredible job of bringing our entire industry to podcasting podcasting itself does not have really good numbers or did not till um, probably 2018. Mm -hmm. It started to take off and then pandemic, forget it. Everybody sat home listening to podcasts.
0: I know that we laugh about that on air because uh, the years leading up to the pod to the pandemic, we did between 30 and 40 episodes a season. Uh, During the pandemic, we did 10. (laughs) (laughs) While everyone else did podcasts, we went, you know what? The world's kind of scary. Let's just kind of just not do that. But oh my gosh, you're right, Mailing. I mean, I Googling your your competition, I think that that is the number one, number one idea.
3: Yeah. And do things that they're doing, it's okay. Just do it differently or better. You know, that's the thing, is you have to stand out in something. So you'll be like, hey, I love the speech science podcast, but you know, if it could only have a guy not named Matt. Right.
0: (laughs) Which is okay. (laughs)
3: No, I'm just kidding. Well, um, but they just and that's what they have done, Matt. They've gone and they mm-hmm. said, you know, we don't want to talk about pop culture and everything under the sun. We only want to talk about swallowing. And you know that there is the swallowing podcast, and and you guys used to have her um, as part of this uh, mm-hmm. the speech science group too. i Sorry, what is her name?
0: Oh, um, Teresa Teresa Richards. Teresa. Exactly,
3: yeah. exactly. And so there's a great spinoff. That's actually a thing. It's a podcast. Yeah. Spin-off.
0: yeah. Swallow your pride. That was a yes. part of us. Uh, the uh, Rachel Maddow show. I can't think talking with tech. That was part of our spin off we are the wings of NBC in the 90s. I'm just going to say nice. that right now. <laughs> um, and so humble. So humble. We are so humble. Uh, Michelle, the other thing I would say is like a number one step and, and you were a coach. And so coming from the sport mentality, Mm -hmm. I would also say that when you're starting and mailing, you can disagree or agree. I, I would love to hear your thought on this is listen to whatever it is that gets you fired up to, to start. So if it is a podcast that is just positive affirmations, if it is. Uh, The Beach Boys, if it is Godsmack or Metallica, whatever it is that you would go out and compete in your sport or uh, walk into an interview with, that's what I did right before the first episode because I needed to like go in and be like, I'm hitting this with everything I've got. So I guess that's like step 1B after you Google, if it's a good idea, is to then just listen to whatever motivates pump myself
1: you. up. Yes.
0: <laughs> you guys well, remember I, the old I, I jock jam CDs that was the pump yes, up music. Yeah.
1: I love that you mentioned coaching because talk about life lessons um when I I miss coaching so much, but I coached high school volleyball for six years Um, while I was an SLP. I started coaching in grad school. So not the best time management decision of my life, but I loved it. So, um, but one of the things I learned in coaching, and I think Matt and I have talked about this off air, and I think it relates a little bit to just that idea of accepting failure, right, Mailing is yeah. that it was my first real experience as a young adult in my early 20s. I had gone back to grad school and decided to take on this coaching job at a local high school just to have something other than grad school in my life. And I realized no matter what I did, I could be the best coach on paper in the world. I could have the winningest record out there. Um, I could know everything and run the best drills and and have all that other stuff. Someone would disagree with me, whether it was a parent, it was a player, a person on the court, a person off the court, a referee, (laughs) like someone was not going to like what I was doing. And I remember that first season of coaching being mentally hard because of that. And once I got past it and realized someone is not going to like what I do, no matter what I do. It was this relief that I, and I I felt like I took that into even speech pathology because I could do it based on, on the research, based on what I knew, based on, um, other patients I'd seen, you know, that I could, I could make these decisions and come to it with some confidence and a relief that, okay, it's all right. Not everyone's going to agree with me, but I can back up what I'm doing. And, and this is what I'm going to do. Excellent. Excellent. I
3: have a one C. Can I add that? Yeah. Please um, get out of your fishbowl. Ooh, so we're in yeah. the fishbowl of SLPS, right? And that was so valuable to me. Um, for whatever it is, if you want to become a presenter or a consultant, you know, start going to business level um, communities because you're going to find that people that are doing uh, therapy services, but in different areas. Maybe they're doing mental health therapy. Maybe they're having a dental clinic. You know, like these other areas, and you will learn tricks and trades, do's and don'ts things that are from outside the industry that you hadn't thought of, maybe our peers haven't thought of, and maybe that will help to up-level your services too. Um, I've also Mm. found amazing mentorship in um, these business communities and professional networks. And I've been on boards. I mean, I just can't even tell you that whole experience of um, just going outside. You can do it locally. Um, So I've done that. Um, And then I've also done virtually, which is a little bit harder. Um, And actually when I was doing the virtual group, it wasn't when virtual was cool, so it was a little weird. But now since everybody's doing virtual. I should probably go back to that group. But I was always like, I don't know, it's not as cool as when I'm in person, and you know, we're sitting around and, and just you know, totally energetically collaborating. You know, it's just different.
0: Yeah, I think this cool. has been one of the most interesting first segments of our show in 151 episodes. Wow. Ooh. When we come back from break, we are going to talk specifically. About the trilogy of books that you have written, Miss Mei Ling, or not written, but have been co-whatever it is. Brought
3: everyone together. Right?
0: What did you call it? A pe- uh, It's an anthology. An anth- no, what did you say that your your skill is bringing people together? A connector? connection. Yes. A connector. Yeah. Yes. So we'll talk about your role as a connector in your trilogy of books. We'll also have the Asha Spotlight. And if you have any questions or want to weigh in on our entrepreneur talk, head on over to our website and email speech science podcast at gmail.com. You're listening to Speech Science.
3: And now for our regular research review, brought to you by the Informed
2: SLP. The Informed SLP releases a monthly newsletter that brings you plain language reviews of only the newest, most clinically applicable research, keeping you up to date on advances in the field and saving you tons of time. So let's get to it. Suckle and Flow Australian Remix This is a review of two articles, the first being Investigation into the Flow Rate of Bottle Teats typically used on an Australian neonatal unit, published in Speech, Language, and Hearing. And the second article, Thickened Formulas Used for Infants with Dysphagia, Influence of Time and Temperature, published in Dysphagia. This review is brought to you by The Land Down Under. Where they're noticing the same issues with commercial thickeners and teat flow rates that we've reported on previously. Aang et al. tested four widely available commercial formulas: Infatrini, which is ready made; S26 Original Newborn, which is powdered; Nan Optipro One Gold, which is ready made; and Aptamil Gold Plus Pepti Junior, which is powdered. They tested these formulas with two commercial thickeners, Aptimil Feed Thickener by Nutritia and Supercall for swallowing difficulties. The first, Aptimil is starch-based, and Supercall is guar-gum-based. The combinations were tested at baseline, at one hour, and at 24 hours both at refrigerated and room temperatures, using an IDSI flow test so that researchers could look at how the variables impacted the mixtures over time. Some fun findings. OptiMil thickened faster and reached a higher thickness level than Supercall. None of the samples reached their intended thickness target at baseline. The two ready-made formulas, when mixed with either thickener, became so aerated that they were unable to be tested using the idsi method. And when left to stand for a 24-hour period, some combinations remained too thin, while others became significantly thicker than intended. On to nipple flow rates. We've mentioned an Australian study of nipple flow rates before. But according to our fabulous Australian Pediatric Medical Editor, Catherine Sanchez, sepal has cornered the NICU market in Australia, so testing their teats independently is helpful. Well, Catherine and everyone else, we've got some good news and some not so good news. Crosley et al. tested five nipples, including white sepal ultra slow flow, blue sepal extra small nipple extra slow flow, Blue sepal, small nipple, extra slow flow. Green sepal, extra small nipple, slow flow, which is advertised as a specialized nipple for thickened feeds. And green sepal, small nipple, slow flow. The mean flow rates showed that the white was, in fact, the slowest, followed by the blues and the greens, in the same order presented before. How often does it seem like everything's working out the way we planned, right? But hold that thought. Because in addition to flow rates, this team tested the variation between the same nipples and found that the white, ultra-slow nipple was the most variable of all the products. Just what we don't want, increased variability for the nipples used with the most at-risk infants. The blue, small, extra-slow nipple also demonstrated high variability. We're looking forward to more research and hopefully more solutions to these issues in the future.
3: Thanks for listening to this review. If you're interested in more, come visit us at www.theinformedslp.com. Tell us how you put the research into practice, or find us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at The Informed SLP.
0: Michelle, one of the things I noticed about trying to do teletherapy was coming up with games, games and wow. activities uh, for all my students.
1: That and having to adapt them to, you know, I, Ugh, I have this whole right? I have boxes and shelves of games and activities that I use. And I have my go to bag when I go in person. But teletherapy is just a whole nother ballgame.
0: Well, and that is why we're happy to have Presence Learning supporting this episode of Speech Science and their therapy essentials, which includes Presence Learning therapy platform. It's so much more than your average video conferencing tool. It's got a content library full of customizable games and activities so you can personalize your therapy sessions to keep your clients Engaged. You've also got the ability to upload your own therapy content and materials, a collaborative workspace with multiple camera views so you can see what your clients are both saying and doing, and live in session chat support to keep you on track.
1: Their library is impressive. There's so many things that you can change to different ages, ways that just can streamline your life as a therapist and help you, you know, really get the most out of those therapy units.
0: If you want to deliver secure and effective speech and language therapy assessments, uh, head on over to PresenceLearning.com. Click on our platform at the top of the homepage, and you can learn more and start your free trial today. Welcome back to Speech Science. I'm Matt Hott, joined by Miss Michelle Wintering. Hello again, Matt. And Miss Mei-Ling Chan. Hello. I always love the little informed SLP that we have in the middle of the show because as I'm trying to figure out which ones to put into the show, I have to read the review and then I get to cheat and learn some new evidence. So, uh, big shout out, thanks to Miss Dr. Meredith Harold for being part of that and letting me cheat and learn some research. So, I said before the break, we would jump in and discuss. Your role as a connector in your trilogy of anthologies. Those are a lot of words to put together. Melee.
3: No, I didn't even know it was an anthology, <laughs> honestly, gosh, until I talked to the publisher. And I was like, I'd like, I want to do a collection of stories. You know, where everyone does a chapter and I do the bookends and I do one chapter and she goes, you want to do an anthology? And I was like, Google's anthology. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so why, <laughs> why? A book. So we talked at the first half of the show about being an entrepreneur and about all those steps trying to, you know, create something that's bigger and carry on and, and also eventually make us money. Why Why a book? In, in the realm of a pandemic, not just one, you didn't have to deal with just one author. I believe you said you dealt with 46 authors, and I'm sure I was not the most, I might have been the most stubborn one or lazy or whatever, or last minute one. Why?
3: Okay. So it was 43 authors for over three books. Um, And it was, it was like, I couldn't not do it, Matt. Um, The first book came from my first 51 um, interviews on the podcast that I did solo. And that was an amazing experience. Um, I know that you've been a radio announcer and I can't tell you how hard it is to talk to no one <laughs> like there you know. wasn't an audience there was no <laughs> nobody clapping or laughing you know so um, i knew immediately that my podcast had to be you know interviewing people because i did not trust myself enough that i had enough value to give that somebody who just gets on and talks anybody who does that i'm just so amazed and they're amazing at it right they just found their jam so as I was interviewing people, I was, I had started out and couldn't get out of my own way for the first five. So if anybody wants to listen to really bad podcasting, go back to my first five and you'll hear me just tripping over myself, reading my lines. Like I, I would get on and be like, I'm mailing Chan. Welcome. You know, it's just, it was ridiculous. <laughs> right. And then by like the 12, 13th, something in there, I was like, Oh, this is amazing. Like I am on the edge of my seat, listening to these people's stories. You know, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't keep it to 45 minutes. And I'm sure you guys have those interviews too, because I listened to you guys and you can tell you're just so into it, you know? And I realized too, that people were not listening to my podcast, you know, because it was such a very small niche community of disability entrepreneurs. So at least you guys came out the gate going, you know, 180,000 speech language pathologists, we have a podcast for you. Whereas I went into, let's talk to the broader world of people in disability and let's go into this little niche of entrepreneurial people in disability. Um, Or, you know, movers and shakers and disability, and that just really hadn't been shaped yet. So I was kind of out there kind of alone, you know, and so when people started listening, they were like, "Ooh, what's this about, you know, Um, and I realized that the medium of podcasting was not enough for me and wasn't enough for the people that I was supporting because they're doing amazing things, guys. You know, they're starting nonprofits, they're creating products, you know, they're a parent who was an engineer and now has this great idea. I have this one, um, one of my authors, UD Bennett, I'm getting so excited now I can't help myself, Mm -hmm. but UD Bennett is a coder in uh, California And her son has the same exact talent for coding, but he has a very severe level of autism where, you know, he is talented, but he really would not be able to get up and go to work and be, be able to work with colleagues and be in that type of setting. So she saw it early and created a nonprofit. And she said, you know what, he's going to work at home and we're going to find other kids just like him who can do this. And now Matt, you're going to love this. I think I've already told you, um, they do it's called exceptional minds and they do the graphic animation for marvel Mm, so i sit at the end of the credits yes you sit at the end of the credits and you can wait wait till you get down to the bottom and, and you'll see it exceptional minds and they do a portion of the animation that's how amazing they are and the nonprofit has grown so big it's incredible and this came out of one mom saying you know i can do something about this and so I have found people at the very um, beginning, like they're just starting to scale and take off and I don't know how I find them. I know that it's just this universal type of blessing. You know, if someone's like, may you got to talk to them or I just find them on, on social media and I do the podcast interview and I fall in love and I say, the world needs to know about them. And so that's how the first book came out is it was so hard to choose to out of 51 to mm-hmm. try to get to 15 So we ended up, um, and you know, life happening. So we had 14 that uh, got through the first, we published 14 stories. And at that time, I was already um, going into my second phase of my podcast where I now had a host and that's Martin Sibley. Um, He is amazing. He has spinal muscular atrophy, SMA, and he is also amazing in marketing. He's um, based in London, and in 2016, he was named the third most influential person with a disability in London, um, in Britain, I think it was. So um, he had a podcast, and so when I had interviewed him, it was talking about, he had a, a blog and a online magazine about disability, and they were talking about adults with disabilities having sex, like, uh, like faux pas, you know? <laughs> and. It was like, everybody's a person. And these are the things that turn the lights on for me. You know, I've become so much more woke. I put that in quotes. um, As, you know, as- Would you send me proud? (laughs) Your
0: 23-year-old is smiling right now.
3: Yeah, exactly. But it's true. Like, I was like, what? You know, like my parents only had sex twice, me and my brother, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, like this just, it opened my mind to so many things. Actors with disabilities who are representing themselves. Um, Just so many amazing stories. And so- that's how the first book came out. And I tell you, I didn't wake up in the morning being courageous. I was like, I don't know how to write a book. And so I had to sit down with my husband, look at our finances, and say, this is probably gonna cost me about three to five thousand dollars out of my pocket. And how much money are you going to make on a book that costs $14.99 and you get like 40% of the profit on that, you know, well, it just you, ha- you never know how this is gonna turn out. Right. Mm-hmm. And to me, that was my gift. Um, And now I've done three books and I've had to outlay the money for all three of them. So you guys do the math, This, you know, substantial, but I believe in this because after the first one, if I can say this all crying, I can't tell you the number of emails I've gotten from people of parents of people with disabilities with, they could connect to someone in that story, a parent um, with a child with autism, um, Mm -hmm. somebody with a disability who had an idea and said, thank you so much. You know, I can connect with this um, author that was incredible to me. And I was like, I can do more. And don't you guys do that every day? I think that's something we do all do every day. When you wake up, you know that you can be effective and you can help somebody Mm -hmm. and you can serve. And so that was my second book was, okay, my love is AC. I actually was working with cognition at the time, which was, again, I love to say brain computer interface, cutting edge technology, you know, it's just fascinating and exciting. And so I pulled from a number of my, um, interviews from my personal podcast. And then I also had the opportunity to do YouTube interviews, uh, no, I'm sorry, Facebook live interviews with people um, while I was at Cognition. So we were doing one a week. And that was incredible because as you guys know, people with AAC, they have to use a device. And so now Mm -hmm. I was able to get on live and really show the lived experience of somebody using their AAC device. And then I was able to say, okay, you you have a great story and you're able to express yourself and we can bring this into a written um, story. And so I was able to work with a few people who use AAC devices. And that was a whole nother level of people writing into me and saying, oh my God, because I also, you guys know how much I love technology. QR codes started to become really cool. So in every one of my books, I have a QR code that you can, um, Just put your phone on with the camera and it goes to that video. So now you can see Lydia Dolly in her interview with me on Facebook and watch how physically restricted she is and then read her story and put this all together. It's just incredible what she's achieved. You're giving the
1: visual to this, that's great. Yes,
3: yes. so bringing in even another component. She just launched, um, she created a stylus now that has a special kind of electrostatic material at the bottom because she has a lot of contracture because she has CP. And so she uses her stylus to activate the cells on her AAC device but she had made something it was you know very makeshift and it was getting worn and all of that so she came up with this idea of the nad pen she just launched it Matt. i mean that's incredible right and so she had a little startup fund a gofundme um we've connected her with people in, in the industry and she now has somebody creating it and like i can say i was a little part of that just a little you know it's, it's just incredible and i call this the ripple um, the ripple effect. you know, I know you guys have all heard of that, right? Like mm-hmm. so you just have one little activity in the epicenter and you just have no idea how many other people it touches and what other things that little ripple can can move into and grow. And that's all we can do is just be that little ripple. Mm-hmm.
0: When From we talk power, ab- when ripple. we <laughs> when we talk about the trilogy, becoming an exceptional leader, becoming an exceptional AAC leader, becoming an exceptional SLP leader you this sounds like a person this is a personal question so i'm going to ask it what is up with you and the word exceptional exceptional ed exceptional learning becoming an exceptional that word obviously means something to you and you chose to use it as the title of the book and under amazon they're all part of the becoming an exceptional leader series what does that word mean to you now as an author as a uh anthology curator, as a, uh, a connector, what does that word mean to you?
3: So language is so powerful. And about maybe five to eight years ago, I don't know if you guys started noticing that a lot of the school districts and the, um, the thought leaders out there were, instead of using special needs, we're using exceptional. So you'll see exceptional mm. student services, right? And mm-hmm. I picked that up right away um, years ago. And so I wanted to call the first company Um, the one that we started in 2018, Exceptional Ed, with starting with an E, my husband, and you know, my husband's into comic books and superheroes. And he said, no, drop the E and just have X. He's like, that would look so cool. And so ran it by the crew and they they said, yes. Um, Although, you know, if you tell someone we're exceptional learning, they always start with the E. Mm -hmm. But the Google now knows, you know, the Googles, like the Twitters. (laughs) Google now knows, um, you know, to reroute. But so Exceptional to me is saying, that it's something that is at the the other ends of the bell curve, right? And that is what the special needs and exceptional student services are supposed to serve is not just the students who are needing um, support because of, you know, disabilities or that, you know, things like that. It's also the gifted. And we're also finding the gifted section also is having issues with ADHD, depression. You know, now mental health has become a part of our area and how that's affecting language learning and, um, language sourcing, you know, just retrieval, you know, all of these things. So I am thrilled that I'm married to the word exceptional. Um, and when we, uh, got acquired by verge learning, we did have this conversation because I have the exceptional leaders podcast and I told them they could not have the podcast. Um, I felt very, very proprietary about it. Um, because you know, the company that we're with, they're amazing. They're, they're growing, you know, we're going global. And I just didn't want anybody telling me what to do on my podcast. And it's that's I don't know. (laughs) That was my own little piece of my island there. And I was so the podcast is still yours. Just yours. It -hmm. is. Yep. And that was just important to me.
0: Uh, I can respect that because I don't know if you remember this mailing, but when you and I were talking, like after we had kind of come under the exceptional Ed banner for at the beginning, and you were talking and you said you I remember you asked me like, what do you want? out of us as a company or whatever. And I said, leave me alone. Like, (laughs) don't like nothing mean. It was like, I'm going to do the show that I want to do. And I don't, if you tell me that I can't do it, then I'm just not going to do it. Like, I'm just not going to do anything. So I totally get that where you say, hey, this is my baby. And this is what I want to do. I love that idea. And I wish I could say I inspired Mm -hmm. that into you
3: a little bit. (laughs) Definitely. And you were a part of that too, because we had exceptional alliances and the podcast net exceptional podcast network was Mm -hmm. in that. And we negotiated that it was not going to be a part of it. And I'm so glad because the content that is created within podcasts is so customized and personalized and unique, you know, and once you get into a a corporate company doing that, then they just, they're, they're pushing down their sponsorship and, you know, it's just so many things and, and they take over control. So like, oh. even now you guys have sponsor ads. That's mm-hmm. because you approve of them and it aligns with, you know, the, the community that you're serving. But if a company owns you, you really don't have a say.
0: I was listening mm-hmm. to a podcast on wrestling called cheap heat. And they had talked about, they had to leave who they were with because they were tired of having ads for like cars and food, like restaurants being played in their show because of who they were. And now they're on just a pod, a wrestling podcast group. And one of the dudes works for ESPN. And he's like, this is the only time I get to have control over my own, own media message. So when we look at controlling the message of, of a book, for example, I mean, it's a lot easier in a podcast because I can go in and edit it and say, I'm not going to air this part, or I'm not going to air this interview, or I'm not going to talk to that person. It's a lot harder, I think, in a book because you have to sit down and say, this is the message I want this book to go in. So what was that process like? Because I know you said that you pulled from the people that you've interviewed and you had this idea like, oh, now I want to talk about the AAC. Now I want to talk about the people that promote the AAC. But where did what was that process like where you're going, hey, this person was never really on the show, but... I, I value their opinion or I want to hear their insight. What what, how, what was that process?
3: Yeah, so there's two pieces to that. One is the relationship building. Mm-hmm. So I had um, a couple of referrals and I just couldn't ramp up and create a strong enough relationship that I thought I could take them through the entire writing process and it's months you know, of working together. And so I wasn't able to just cold call, reach out to somebody, although I'd be like, oh my God, that, that person would be amazing. But I just don't know if I'm going to be able to do that. And so I, I tried to, Really, you know, work within people that I knew or somebody that I knew they knew, you know what I mean? So I would say like almost 90% of the people that are in the books are people that I knew or had a, had a, a warm connection to. So that's, a, that's the first step. This is because anthologies is, it's really hard because like you're saying, I wanted a certain part of your story. And um, the brain, you know, Brene Brown came out a couple of years ago, and I've read every one of her books. And when I first started reading, I was like, "What? I gotta tell people I don't know something? I'm perfect, you know? Like that's my gig. I'm perfect." And I started realizing that, oh my God, thank God I don't have to be perfect, right? And so I realized that that's the stories that we want to hear. Is I want to see myself in you. You know, you're an amazing podcaster, but I want to know that you know sometimes this is hard, and and it's you know it's hard for you to to do your show or you have to edit yourself or it's financially burdensome and like oh okay whew, maybe I could do it too you know and so that was the story I wanted and that took trust and so um, Matt you got to go through book so you were in that third book but the third book I really had my vision solid whereas in the first book it was more of like this is what I'm thinking, right, you guys think you're on board with it, you know, but by the third one, I was like, look, this is going to be amazing. I've done it twice already. And I know that if you trust me, we're going to pull out the most amazing components of, you know, of your creation story specific to this audience. Cause that was another thing. We sometimes had stories that kind of meandered and although everything is interesting, it's not specific to the audience or to the, the, um, purpose of what we're trying to do and so that back and forth and you went through that editing some people were editing five six seven times because it would be like this is great just a little bit more you know and there's some people that it's just a it's the personality like i've given you all i have and i know that you know and it's like great because you know what we're not changing who you are and your voice like through the podcast you can hear my voice you can hear my personality right in words it's really interesting. Like, think about it. It's your choice of words that communicate your personality. So someone could be super eloquent, you know, um, but they're not deep. So there's really interesting about um, just the written uh, word and, and how someone is, is um, internalizing that. So it's all been an amazing process and it is really exhausting. And so when I got <laughs> to the end of the third one, I was done. <laughs> yeah, but um, just
0: amazing. Don't be mad at me on this question, okay? Do you feel, and I I picked up on something where you said that it was about connection and, um, excuse me, you said it was about connection and also like how, like you couldn't cold call somebody because you didn't know, know them. We talk about imposter syndrome in our field and we talked about on the beginning of the show about having to believe in, everything that we're doing about being that entrepreneur part. Do you feel that when you first started, there was a little bit of that imposter syndrome of like, who am I to call this person to be part of the book? Or was it truly like, no, I don't want someone that's not part of the book or that's not part of my social circle.
3: No, it was amazing. Um, one of the, uh, my claim to fame cold calls is Alan Brightman. And um, he came through uh, Richard Allenson, I believe. And someone else is two people who had given me his name. And they were like, you need to call this person. Um, But he'll probably say no. Richard Ellenson, and he's big in the AAC area. He's a parent who created um, an AAC device. I can't can't remember which one it is right now. But um, so he's well-known. And he's like, "You know, you could try. I don't know how it's going to go. So I'm like, okay, well, who is this guy, right? Turns out he is the person who went to Apple. They actually brought him over, went to Apple, sat down the executives, told them to put their hands under their, their um, legs and try to turn on their laptops and they laughed and he's like, I'm not kidding. And that's where accessibility started. And he tells this story of, of his journey and how he had this life of working with people with disabilities and worked at a camp and just immediately connected with why isn't the world changing and adapting so that everyone can, can do these things. And so he was the perfect person to go to Apple and start all of that I mean, just incredible. He went from Apple and then to Google. He wrote the forward for the uh, Becoming an Exceptional AAC book. And I had to put in time with him. You know, I got him on a Zoom call. I will not do phone calls when I'm doing these uh, relationship building calls. And I back in the day, you'd get on a plane and go see them, but that wasn't an option. Um, but an in-depth, you know, connection. And I have like 10 minutes to build that rapport, build trust and say, you know, do this with me. Like I had to... I had to tell him the entire vision of the book, I had to obviously give him a copy of the first book, tell him who the people were, um, who were going to be uh, co authors, and he came to every one of our planning meetings. Just incredible. He's actually like almost retired, I believe he's retired but he's still you know active here and there, Um, but he came to every one of them and so I'm just so honored, but that is not somebody that I knew met. And, um, definitely had that imposter syndrome. Like here's this little may getting on, like, would you write the forward for my book? You know? And he's actually has like 13 books out there that are Amazon bestsellers. Like he's incredible. So, you know, you just got to do it. And this is, this is something people say all the time, but when it's you, what's the worst he could say? No. Well, yeah, I'm going to shrivel up and die.
0: While you were talking, I was trying to look it up, and I can't remember we had him on the podcast when we first started, yep, and I yep. can't remember what episode that is that is that is awesome though that he was able to write the forward and and that do you find that now that you've done this, one are you going to do it again, and two? What would you change? And I know the process is the process and you don't want to change anything about what has happened. But if you could go back and tell yourself, hey, don't do this part, what would that be?
3: Ooh, okay. So I said I was only going to do three, Mm -hmm. just so you know. And I said it a number of times and I-
0: Yeah, but I don't believe you.
3: (laughs) I feel really good about it. Like I've, I've stepped away from it for a while and I don't have another one on the horizon. It's very anxiety provoking because there's so much that goes into it. You know, to the plan, the pre-planning before I actually have that first meeting takes so much to get all 15 writers there and I'm ready for you, you know? So as of right now, I am I'm at just a place of peace right now and, and that's hard to get to. So I'm at this like plateau of peace and I see my books on the shelf and I'm still getting emails and still doing things, you know, related to... Um, talking about the book and doing stu- you know, stuff like this, promoting it, it's, it feels great. Um, what would I not do next time? I don't know, because honestly, I really think that I hit that stride for this last book. So the not do was, I'm not going to fret about it. I'm not going to worry if it doesn't hit Amazon bestseller on that day. And I think this time we hit something like eight. <laughs> so every time it's done it, you know, um, so this time I was like, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to just let it be. And if it doesn't, I'm okay. You know, like just going into it with a different mindset. Um, I'm not going to let criticisms get me as sharply as they did for the last book. And it didn't happen this time. Like I said, there was only the one from Jeanette and I love her to death because it gave me that opportunity to do that little check, you know, like, like, okay, yeah, I did move through it. Well, I'm, I'm so happy. Right. And I got a friend in the process. Um, so I don't have one thing. Um, but that's cause I did this three times, <laughs> you know, <laughs> That's a good question. Yeah,
1: I well, I I just love hearing that you've taken these lessons from each little project in your life, and then now this is kind of the the trilogy has been the the project in itself of how you've changed
3: and adapted each one. Listen, I got an email today from like the fifth professor who said that uh, they want to incorporate the book into their professional issues class. And it's like, yes, that's what it's intended and which, for. And which book? Which uh they the, become an exceptional SLP. Leader. SLP one specifically. Mm-hmm. Yep. Matt I don't
0: want to, I don't want to, I don't want <laughs> <laughs> to brag mailing, but you have three books and uh, the one that I'm in is the only one that's got all five star ratings. I just, it is so true. I mean, you were the
1: true. third book, Matt. I, I'm just
0: saying that <laughs> I'm not in every book, but the book I'm in only has five stars. I'm just, I, and don't
3: think that that doesn't bother me. Cause if you look at the other ones, I'm like, who didn't give us five stars. Amazon lets people leave a review and it doesn't say anything. Mm-hmm. They just check checked. I three was stars. looking at that that's brutal. Like, okay, it's fine, but tell us why have, have the cojones, you know,
0: I want to hear from your side, because as as writing on my side, it was interesting because, uh, and if you don't want me to say this, I'll cut this from this part of the question, but like you had told me and part of the prompt was like, when did you know, or when did you think this was going to fail? And I remember talking to you and going, I never thought this was going to fail. Like my show was never going to fail because there was no metric to judge failure or success. It's did I hit play and send it to Podbean or whoever we were using at the time? If that is what happened, it was a success. And if I didn't do it, I'll do it next week. And then it's a success. It's a success. And I remember you and I not going round and round, but I was like, I can't write about when I didn't have faith in this podcast because I wasn't there was no failure. And that was kind of the point of the book was how do we overcome failure? And, and through your editor and, and you and your questions, they, you guys got me to talk more about the process and, and, you know, identifying those pre-failures of before the show even got on air. But what was that like being on the other side of trying to pull these stories from people? Because, yes, yes. you know, you've got people like me who are like, Meiling, I hear your question and I'm sure you were like, Matt, just write a sentence and we'll figure it out. But wanting, I don't want to say fight, but like not understanding the process, I guess. What was that like on your side, trying to pull these stories from people?
3: It's great to hear your interpretation of it um, and your experience. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So the question was, share a time when you experienced challenges and how did you overcome them? And um, most people were like, oh, yeah, and just had prolific stories, you know, went on and on. And we had to kind of shave back like Lucas Stuber, who is a linguist and who wrote forever and ever. And that's why this book is fifteen ninety nine because some people had just so many, you know, just really juicy pieces that we could not cut. Um, and then we had people like you and India Oaks from the AAC book. And I'm going to uh, call out India because... She um, publicly shamed me, which is cute, uh, and we, could, we put it in the book. So if you're interested, I would get the second book in the trilogy, which is Becoming an Exceptional AAC Leader. She is um, a lawyer and she is a um, social activist, um, a, a civil rights activist, and she ran for public local office and she cannot speak orally. So she uses a device um, and she actually uses more type to text she's incredible. She mic drops every time she speaks. I mean, I can't even explain to you just the the amazing mind that this woman has and how connected she is and forward thinking. So uh, she knew what the story was about. She went to my meetings, she saw the prompts and she sends us back her first chapter and Mm -hmm. I read it. And I was like, oh shit, literally. And I sent it off to I had I have two editors for my book, so I sent it off to my first editor, who happens to be a really really close friend of mine and sorority sister from when I went to college, um, and she is a very accomplished writer editor. I mean, just all of the stuff. So she's perfect. She reads it and she sends me an email like, "OMG, really, May? Like, are you going to allow this in there? Like, I I you know I feel so defensive for you." So India's response, and I obviously don't want to give away the book, but basically said. I don't have challenges. I don't see life like that. And I'm pretty offended that you would say that, you know, that you would start out like this. And she even said the prompts in the book tell you to talk about challenges. And that's not how I look at life. And so she goes on to talk about, you know, her life and how she's um, just been amazing in, in achieving things and how she, you know, how her outlook on life is. And I left it in there because it's essential. It's essential for the people to hear that story because it's an important story. It's an important perspective. And it also shows that I am not afraid of um, controversy or, or anything. Like I, I needed her to say that, you know? And I think that actually shined a really beautiful light. Um, and so people have read the book and said to me, oh my gosh, you know, we know India and that is so her. And I'm like, I know, you know, India does not hold back. She will call you out on everything, anywhere, anytime. She even is doing a presentation at ATIA And she is talking about how ATIA marketing, this is the um, Assistive Technology International Association Conference, how their marketing is marginalizing people who use AAC. And like, it's Hmm. fantastic. And she uses my book, she uses a quote from me and she says it's um, actually not as glaring, Um, but she's using it as an example and letting the audience to decide. And it's just a great example. And I said to her, thank you. Thank you for including me because number one, you know, all publicity is good, even if it's something that, you know, brings up a good conversation, right? And number two, I wouldn't change that statement. So that's really important. And I said, and you could tell your audience that we talked about it. And this is why, you know, I think it flows well. I don't think I was being disrespectful or um, uh, unconscious about it, right? Um, so it was great. And, and that's, what, that's what, if you're going to be public, you need to be public all the time. You know, you can't be like, I'll be public on things that I'm only right on, <laughs> right? Or I <on> think that <laughs> people agree with me. <laughs> um, and Matt, if you had a story like that in there, and I think we did, I mean, your chapter really reflects you um, and the confidence that you have, you know, that's just exuding in your chapter. And people need that because I think a lot of us, especially like as women, you know, we'll take the 28 cents on the dollar or whatever it is now, you know, it's just a, a white man's world, you know, and to hear somebody just comes out the gate you know, with a great positive mindset. Um, And it wasn't that you can't fail. And I think you do say that you can't fail, but it was like, you're going to do everything in your power to turn that ship around, you know, and that's more of the mindset that, that we want to share is, you know, that's how you come out your, your projects, but this is great. I'm so glad that people are reading You got to read Matt's story and hear it in his words.
0: And you get I'm, to see a I'm cool picture. You get to see a cool picture of me uh, sitting on top of Frog's Head at Red River Gorge, which is my favorite place in the entire country. Yeah. Says the guy who has never went west of the Mississippi River except to fly to Denver. So take that for what it is. Mayling, I love talking about the book, and I'm sure we can talk about more. But I kind of want to wrap up our show. Are you going to be okay with that?
3: Yeah, I know. We could be here all day. <laughs> yep, all night. Here we go. Uh,
0: so this part of the show, we always look at, it's called the Asha Spotlight. It's super easy to look at everything that Asha is doing right and wrong. And it's super easy to say, oh my gosh, why is Asha not doing this? But let's look at what something ASHA is doing right. And we talked about that they're taking nominations uh, for different VP positions last week. And in the ASHA spotlight, Judy Rudabush-Rich has now officially became the new uh, ASHA president. So Miss Lynn Williams, who I got to interview and then meet at ASHA, is now former president. Uh, So I'm sad about that one because I knew her. (laughs)
3: I sent Lynn a copy of the book and she said she'll read it in January. So she was really busy. I think she's
0: out like camping right now, like enjoying the the short break. So we wish Judy Rudibus-Rich good luck this year. Get us through this year. And then I don't know who the next president-elect is. Do we know that yet? Or is it a two-year term? Don't know. I am loving the looks of confusion that I'm getting from everybody. We are not up to date on this. (laughs) And this is why there is like 4% (laughs) participation in the elections of ASHA because no one knows. But no, congratulations, Miss Judy. Uh, Good luck in this year. So while we wrap up the show, let's look at the next week. And this is, mailing. this is where I'm going to ask you, what are you doing this week that is not career he's giving job or speech related what are you yeah, looking for so many
1: to? of her other
0: things are no job not related. the point of the goodbye <laughs> is t- the point of the goodbye is something else and I am taking a a page out of Angie Merced the SLP burnout coach We have to have other things or we're going to burn out, Michelle. So what is it that you're looking forward to this week that is not, and normally I say not speech-related, but I know you, mailing, so I'm going to say not career, job, or speech-related. And I will go first. The thing that I am looking forward to the most, uh, I would say that we are prepping our daughter in the next week to attend her little school for uh, being deaf or partially deaf, uh, getting her into the school. So that is the thing that I'm excited about. And I believe it's officially starts in February, but by the time this comes out, we'll be prepping her for that. So what about you, Miss Michelle? We're gonna give Mayling just an extra moment to think about it. What are you looking forward to in the next week that is not work-related?
1: I am looking forward to what hopefully is a little bit more of Texas winter weather where it's cooling down a bit, um, in central Texas. So I've always such a four seasons girl. Um, so I'm trying to learn to love this, but I think just like mailing said, it's beautiful uh, in Arizona where she is right now. Um, I think I'm gonna like this winter. That's really more in my mind a fall. What is your temperature? temperature? What is your temp? Oh well, today it was like 70s. Oh, only so, oh okay. <laughs> it was pretty warm, but it's I'm looking forward right now, to like
0: Michelle
1: 40s yeah. and 50s. That's that's my jam right there. <laughs> so, um, and also I've started running again. I haven't been able to do that in a long time. I know there's many people listening who are also moms and having had a couple kids in the last few years, um, I'm starting to run again and I'm looking forward to that.
0: Are you gonna do run Disney?
1: I would love to run (gasps) Disney World again. You know, that's where I did my marathon, right?
0: No, and I did not know that. And I would have had if I knew we were gonna talk about this. I got a virtual Disney marathon uh, medal.
1: Oh, nice. No, But yeah, that's where I did my first ever half marathon and my only marathon. Mm -hmm.
0: All right. Oh, wow. That's impressive. Meiling, what are you looking forward to this week that is not career, job, or speech related?
3: I am into my third week of doing yoga almost every Ooh. day. I think I've only missed two days, um, but on my own without a video or you know, I definitely don't go to classes. So it's just myself on the mat. And it's been incredible for me because I've done it sporadically long enough that I know the moves enough. And it's been um, really understanding the practice of yoga and not the check mark of doing yoga. So I'm really excited to to keep on this this path.
0: When congrats. I, when yeah, congrats. When I was in undergrad, I was at uh, they're called OTAs, Ohio Theater Alliance, and it is like the Not big occupational Ohio. therapy yeah. assistant. Yeah. No, 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 OTAs, Ohio <laughs> Theater Alliance, the real OTAs. All right, and they're right. like auditions, and I remember that there was this dude actor that was out there shirtless doing yoga on the hill and all the girls were like oh and all the guys were like really (laughs) and i was like man what is that yoga thing and then like you hit 30 and you do yoga and you're like oh my goodness this is like really good
1: (laughs) i don't even think it's just hitting 30 i think it's the timing of you hitting 30 as well that um yoga has become more accessible to the mainstream it's yeah, always been general. there but i would say accessible from digital um classes to just more studios existing that kind of thing
0: so you don't need to do any like cards or videos to to do anything
3: yeah i have enough that's so awesome basic moves. I, that's incredible to me and i actually know some of the names too you know you'll be like standing tadasana and you know just just things that are that are coming to me now and i've always loved it but i wasn't carving out the time to able to to have enough time to do it you know and then also when i was on the mat i was fighting with myself the whole time like Mm -hmm. the first 20 minutes of just okay just be here be here be here and i was running lists and i have to do i gotta call matt i gotta bother him to send him his draft i gotta you know like all of these things i have a really hard time shutting off the checklist (laughs) Ah, yes yes so um i actually read something where it said it's okay like that comes in and then you just label it so it's like planning i do a lot of planning and then criticism, like, "Oh, you didn't tell Matt how wonderful he is." That's criticism, you know. It's okay. Just I, <laughs> so I just I find that you know I'm learning more about me, and it's such a crazy thing. But just going, okay, May, it's okay. Let's let that go, and I'm just gonna breathe. And it's not it's not a uh, it's not a saying. It's a it's a real thing, you know. It's progress. I love it.
0: Uh, I do. I'm often on doing DDP yoga by a former wrestler, so I'm sure he changes the moves because I am guessing none of your moves are called Hulk it up, kick out, or oh pinfall. I'm guessing none <laughs> of those are the moves.
3: No, no, I haven't heard of them yet.
0: See, but Hulk out is where you like. You uh, whatever. It's like Hulk. Out. <laughs>
1: I kind of want to look this up now. It is 100%
0: (laughs) true. It is 100% true. DDP yoga. Diamond Dallas Page is a wrestler that made yoga uh, for wrestlers. Like, I'm not kidding.
3: I can see you doing the Superfly Snooker.
0: Yeah, right. His daughter wrestles. <laughs> his daughter wrestles. Oh, our intro music today was please listen carefully by Jazar. license licensed under an attribution and share alike license. The bump music is County Fair Rock copyright a John day Coup. copy. Uh, find his music at soundcloud.com slash dirt dog music. The informed SLP use the at the count by broke for free license under a creative commons attribution license and our closing music playing right now Slow Burn by Kevin MacLeod, licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution License. In the immortal words of Janice Wright, always be a willow, never be an oak, because the oak will crack under pressure. The willow will return to form. And that is how I'm going to transition to remind everyone that we are looking for a fourth willow. Uh, So make sure that you send in your audition tapes to speech science podcast at gmail.com you can hit us up on the and discord it's
1: okay if your name doesn't start with m that's it true is okay. that is true no. we need we need
0: another letter we need yeah. oh we need a consonant it's like mortal can't keep using the m
1: exactly. uh,
0: but we also have the discord discord.speech science podcast.com we have merchandise.speechsciencepodcast.com and also podcast. sign up for the giveaway this is awesome. It's a free year. For fellow Willows, the missing Michael McCloud, the adopted Willow, Ling Chan, Michelle Wintering, the Willow in Texas, and myself, Matt Hot. Until next week, so long, everybody.
1: Bye. Bye.
0: Episode number 151 was brought to you by Presence Learning. Michelle, have you thought about maybe moving into the telepractice realm?
1: You know, that's where so many things are going, especially with COVID, with the pandemic and Presence Learning, who sponsored this episode. They've been doing this for years. And I think you can with with these therapy essentials, this new platform that they're sharing with therapists, you can future proof your career and really move into and expand into teletherapy.
0: You can get your teletherapy practice up and running tomorrow. For more information and to start your free trial, visit PresenceLearning.com and click on our platform at the top of the homepage.
1: Speech Science is edited
2: and produced by MWH Production. Please follow Speech Science on Twitter at SpeechSciencePC and like our page on Facebook. And rate and subscribe to our podcast anywhere you get your podcasts.